Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Andre DePuisto. I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow. So. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it. There ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth, I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. We talked about a deer that we didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and uh, we appreciate you guys being here this time of year. If you're here, um, you're definitely a diehard whitetail hunter. Um, you're listening to the podcast that talks about whitetail about 11 and a half months out of the year. We might throw a curveball two-week episode at you about something that's not whitetail, but this is what we live and breathe, so... We're going to come at you uh, with a topic today is uh, killing your 22 um, bucks, hopefully bucks, killing them now and how how you need to go about doing that, how we did it last year um, and how we plan on doing it this year. We were able to kill two bucks in October because of this and then a buck in November and multiple encounters in November, close calls just, you know, right on the edge of killing um, and then a close call even late season preparing for this, doing mm. the same stuff, though. So, uh, we're going to get into the people that make this possible. We're going to get into the show. Um, we're going to start off with Ride on Optics. Um, if you guys aren't following their Instagram, we talk about them on here. Their Instagram is a great place to see the new products. They put up some funny posts, um, but they put up a post about their three tactic. Um, it's a one by eight by 24. It's more of like a uh, tactical, lightweight um, target shooting uh, scope. And uh, they put up a video. They drug it behind a side-by-side on a rope for, like, a couple miles. They took it off that. They put it on a gun. They shot with it, hit targets. Then they took it off, and he banged it on some, like, threw it up in the air and banged it on some rocks, <laughs> put it back on the gun, and shot targets with it. Um, the things are indestructible. Uh, after all that, it still performed. And, the, you know, the point of it was that, hey, we're building a product that we're guaranteeing you a new one if it breaks, but these these things aren't going to break. Um, all American made. Uh, so I, I like when companies do, it reminds me of like Black Rifle. They just do off-the-wall shit to show that their product's different because um, there's a lot of scopes out there to choose from, you know. And Yeah. Um, their Instagram is a great place. They just showcased their spotting scope on there. If you guys want to go see that and they have a bad ass, uh, tripod 
for that spotting scope. Carbon fiber, real light, mill dots on it, whole nine yard. I'm like, man, mm. that's something we don't have. It's like a really, really solid spotting scope. No, like yeah, we got, a, I got kind of like a junk one, but not like a, a really, really solid one. So, all right, what you got over there? All right, guys, I got uh, Exodus. And uh, this week we're going to share with you guys, um, for the last seven years, Exodus has been putting out trail cameras and top-notch quality gear. We've been using them for the last four years. And um, one thing that's really special about these Exodus trail cameras is that you get that five-year warranty when you buy their product. And Exodus is going to start running a special here on their Exodus Render, which is their cell camera. They're going to run it on their uh, Verizon side. And um, due to listening to this podcast, if you enter Showtime, capital letters, one word, at checkout, you can save 15% on an Exodus render. So to the first 100 people who get their order in first. So that's very vital. Um, let me double check here on the date that this is going to go so you guys can be within the first 100. And One thing that I really uh, I wanted to mention also that we're going to utilize is the SB18 solar panels. Um, I feel like the buck that we're going to talk about um, this year, we might have to do a signal booster. I don't know how the signal is going to be, but a solar panel down there would be perfect so we don't ever have to go in there. You know, that's that's key. So I just wanted to mention that while you're looking that up. They do have that as an option too. Um, and they are going to be at all the trade shows, and you guys can scoop the package of the render and the SB18. So also on top of uh, the 15% off of being the first 100 customers, um, it's also going to give you 50% off of a um, render and almost $75 off of the security bundle, which um, Cody and I like to use. And even though that you get that discount or that uh, warranty, um, it's always good to have that um, yeah. extra added protection there. So. Yeah. Um, that is going into effect here immediately as this podcast rolls out. Nice. All right. You got next level. Yeah, guys. Uh, we got, uh, we talked to Nate and Scott uh, daily and uh, multiple times a day. And uh, here recently, um, Scott has been coming up with some uh, family problems, some family issues. And if you guys could just um, keep Scott and his family in the next level. Um, family in your guys's thoughts and prayers and uh send them some good vibes maybe reach out to them send them a message on social uh whichever platform you'd like to and uh just let them know that you're thinking about them because uh that'll be coming up here real fast yeah and then i also want to give a shout out to ben harris in the bow hunting league he also has some family stuff going on um one thing that we're always me and you are always really good about is you know it's hard, it's hard to like approach other guys. And I feel like we're, we try to be pretty approachable. Um, and if there's anybody that has on this list to this podcast that needs to talk about something, it don't even have to be hunting related. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, it's good for us even to talk to people. Um, it puts perspective on our lives. Um, and it shit's rough out there, man. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So if anybody's listening to this, you know, if you if you want to just chat, whatever, um, reach out to one of our socials, and hell, we'll give we'll give you our numbers, and you can reach out. Um, we're definitely ain't perfect, but we um, we're in a good mental mind state most of the time. Um, so, <laughs> whether it's just regular shit, dad shit, husband shit, whatever you got going on, I know this is a hunting podcast, and you guys are probably like, "Well, it's a soap opera," but it gets hard out there, dude, and with, you know, these two close friends of ours, both going through stuff at the same time, it puts perspective in your life about shit could be a lot worse than what I got going on. So, uh, just wanted to throw that out there also. All right. We got anything else? No, man, we're ready to rip here. All right. So, um, killing this year's buck right now is what we're going to be talking about. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Um, we were able to do this last year, um, pretty effectively, I think. And uh, we did it this time of year. We, and then we kind of double checked ourselves later in the year again. And uh, one of the, like the biggest successes of our year, I think, even though 
we didn't kill on it was getting on that ridge in the hot corner because there was a bunch of daylight there. We knew it in the past. We never went in there and scouted it, figured out where we wanted to go. Finally went in there, scouted it, hung the camera, and hell, we had a I, bunch of daylight bucks. I there. encountered a shooter there. Yeah. 90 yards. Yeah. I mean, and that's a buck that we've been targeting for a couple of years and we've never <laughs> yeah. even seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, right. And, you know, besides our big deer, every deer that we kind of wanted to target, short time 10, crisscross, west, west side. side, they were all there in daylight at some point of that year, you mm-hmm. know? So you could have went on that ridge and felt confident that you could have killed any of those deer at any time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all of October and um, second half of the rut. Yeah. Second half of the and rut we was were, bonkers. And we were... We were on other deer, you know, I mean, at that point, yeah. trying to got tied up on a giant for a while and <laughs> yeah, the second part of the rut kind of, yeah, kind of messed us up there. I was bucked out early, um, but I feel, I feel like if we would have hunted that ridge hard, we'd have had, you know, a chance at one of those, one of those bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's good that you scouted it and you figured it out, you put the work in and then you see that work, what you thought was happening with your scouting actually be what's happening it gives you a little bit more confidence so um starting out of this uh how are you going to kill that buck now is scouting people say it all the time and you guys hear it on podcast scout now scout in the off season um i feel like most people and you can back me up on this if i miss most people talk about scouting for beds and scouting for sign which i think is important yeah but it's not it's not make or break picture and and it might not be the most important thing, you know? And uh, I feel like that's what, I think people like to show that because that's what gets most people excited. Oh, like, oh yeah, look at this sign or look at these beds. I'm in this buck's bed. But they don't show, they're scouting other things, but they're not showing it because that's not as cool. It's not as flashy, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the big thing now is buck bedding, finding where they're bedding. And uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Like, um it, it the, finding a, a doe family groups bedding doesn't have that wow factor that you know yeah a, a buck that you think is bedding there is bed and you're sitting in it you know it just don't yeah, have the wow I mean, factor I, I don't feel like people share that info on social or make a post about it or a video oh i found this new doe bedding area or i found this you know i found this access or something you know what i mean they're not they're not doing that they're like oh look at this bed this is where this buck's been bedding this is where he's rubbing over here. I followed him in here, tracked him back. Um, and I feel like you, you can kill on that 100%, but there's a lot of other steps those guys are doing that they're not talking about. And that's kind of what we wanted to hit on. So if you're going right now, and right now is the time to scout. Like the next, the next couple of weeks are probably some of the best time to scout in, in the year, I think, because – most of the time you got nothing going on, you know, your kids aren't starting sports. You haven't been hunting for a while. So you're, you're able to sneak away. You, there's no people in the woods covered up any sign that's already, you know, been made or that's out there. The shit is fresh. You know, people haven't been out there for a long time and those deer are doing their normal stuff right now because it's been there's been a gap where there hasn't been hunters out there that's you know pushed them away from a certain area so a deer is doing what it's naturally going to do right now they're going to be using the trails that they're naturally using without hunting pressure or people out there deterring them right now so i think this is the best time of the year to go Um, another thing i really like about this year this time of year is it's wide open it's way easier to scout these hard to get to areas, the thick shit, the nasty stuff. It's cooler walking. You have to, you know, you're you're not going to be sweating. You're not going to be fighting bugs. Um, it's not going to be muddy. Like you're going out there, and it might be a little cold, but you're able to get in there. And okay, it's thick now. So in the winter, in the summer, or you know, October is going to be extremely thick. So be able to get through those areas way better. And when you're able to get through those way areas, it doesn't deter you from pushing a little further. You're like, Oh man, I, I just got to get through this little spot, but 
we've seen it like in October, that little spot looks like a never ending wall of shit that you got to no, crawl yeah. through and you have no idea. But now you're like, well, I, I think there's a gap right over there and you pop through it and boom, you're in a spot you never knew was even there. Cause you never pushed further. Cause you're not used to scouting in the spring or the, you know, right there in October when shit's kind of thick still. Uh, yeah. So, uh, our, our guy, Clint McCoy, um, made a post here. Oh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think he said it best. It's like, if you go out there and you put the work in, you kind of get the cheat code to what what's going on out there. And if, if you go out there and you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for and how to process it, that's exactly what it is. Like you're, you're getting that buck has told you what he did this past fall and we we've talked to multiple people over and over again who believe in that three-day period that that buck's going to be in the same thing um i'm not necessarily on that level but um that buck's going to have those tendencies that you can track and um hopefully get ahead of him which we all are trying to do get ahead of that deer and um kill him in 2022 here yeah so we are going to talk about signing we are going to talk about beds, but we also want to talk about a bunch of other shit that I think is just as important or maybe more important. So starting off with the number one thing that keeps these deer safe is their nose, right? So when you're out there right now, there's no leaves on the trees. There's nothing going on. And you're more than likely going to have the same wind that you're going to have in that mid November end of November time period when you're in these areas. So you got a West wind right now and you get down in a draw or you're up on a Ridge. That West wind is probably going to be pretty true to what that West wind's going to be in November. Now, October might be a little bit different, might be some undergrowth, but we've seen it. Um, the wind does weird shit and draws. And if you just go in there scouting and you're not thinking about what the wind's doing while you're in there and you go in there and hunt, it's going to be blowing probably a completely different way than it's, it says on your phone. And you're going to get in there and it's going to squirrel and it's, it's going to make a mess of your, your system. We had those does. Wasn't supposed to be blowing them at all, but the way that ridge works, it always has some kind of north. If it's a west, it's out of the north. If it's a south, it's south, you know what I mean? But if it's a an east, it's a little bit out of the north. Like, there's no way to get away around that a little bit of north. It just comes off there and then gets sucked sucked down. Yeah, I was going to so, say, we're, we're, we're covering this because we, we've been burned by it, and it's something that yeah. is so simple to a point, but gets overlooked, I feel like, because I'm like, well, yeah, you just don't I never thought of that. You're like, okay. You know, I got a north wind. Here we go. But <laughs> yeah. right now you go out there and you have the time to do it right now. You sit there. Okay, it's a west. What's the wind doing? What do I got going on? And then you go back in there. Okay, it's a north. What do I got going on? And you can kind of make a plan to what you what you got. Um, and with that wind, the next, the next thing I think is on the list is if you're a tree stand hunter, you got to find a place – that you're going to hang your tree stand to be able to get on this deer. And you can use this wind as an advantage of where you think this deer is coming and say, okay, in our situation, trees are hard to come by, which a lot of people that are hunting big woods or other places, there's an ass litter of trees and that's not really a problem. But I still believe there's the right tree in those scenarios. Um, but for us, trees are kind of limited. So you have to find a way to get to these deer and, you kind of want a few trees if you're going to hang and hunt or if you're going to move a stand. Um, you don't want to put a stand in there right now, I wouldn't say, because that shit might change, you know, on you. But you want to have that marked on a map or don't do it in your head because if you're like oh, us, yeah. you got eight different bucks. You need to have it marked somewhere. This is a tree that I could potentially get a stand in if the rest of the shit adds up. And you might not know that that spot's going to be good until you go another 100 yards. But when you walk past that tree, you need to say, okay, I'm kind of liking this area. I can get in this tree. It takes three minutes to put a, a pin on Onyx or hunt stand. And I just put a little tree stand emblem and say, huntable tree. That's all I say. Huntable tree. And 
a wind direction, huntable tree north, huntable tree south of what I think the deer are doing in the area. Yeah, I, I don't know if you covered. I had the extra bullshit going on here, but um, yeah. If you get into an area, like maybe pick out four or five trees that you can get into within that 25 to 30 yard gap for the different wind situations, because I, I hate not being able going in, not being able to go into a spot that I really feel like I need to be in because I'm limited to, you know, if it's a, if it's a, just a regular hang on that, you know, that's preset, then I'm just kind of stuck with that. You know, but if yeah. if you got three other trees over here that you can get in there on an east wind, then you can then you can get in there and, and feel good about it. So maybe four yeah. or five trees with different wind scenarios there. Yeah, and, and in the area that you want to hunt, and you know, for someone that's listening to this, be like, well, trees isn't a the problem. There's trees everywhere. You know, for us, it's a huge. It's one of the biggest problems we have. Like it's yeah. it's very challenging where we hunt. Um, a lot of high stem count crp grassy stuff so finding a tree that you can work with and that's the way that we like to hunt um because of the wind we've tried the ground game it just isn't for us the deer sneak up on you You, we need to get elevated so we can see them coming we're just not good at hunting on the ground and we're not good like we we don't go crazy high but we're not good at hunting really low either i feel like we get burned when we hunt low so we're kind of in the middle rung wherever the tree kind of puts us. Sometimes we use three sticks. Sometimes we use four. It just depends kind of on what we got going on. Well, well I mean, we've but, already, uh, we've already proved the deer out there are ninjas because we go there and hunt picked off, yeah. go anywhere else to hunt. Totally fine. Also, yeah. you think about the kill tree, the far one, the kill tree, like it's the yeah. only thing out there. Yeah. It's the only within, tree there. Within so. 200 yards, the only thing. They just know to look up in that tree because they're like, it's the only <laughs> yeah. tree. There's someone in it. I'm screwed. If there's not, I'm good to go. So, but, uh, so when you, when you're looking at those trees, you're thinking about the wind, but then you got to think about how am I going to get to this tree? And that's one thing that I think a lot of people miss up on. They're like, okay, this is the easiest, quickest way in. I'm not going to bump any deer that are bedded, but you also got to think about the deer that are coming off the fields in the morning, getting back in there. So, you have to find a way if you're going to plan on hunting this in the morning. If you can't kill this deer in October, the does are how you're going to kill this deer. So you cannot bump those does. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't hang up until I bump a couple does or I don't, you know, I push in until I bump a few deer and then I hang up. That's great if you're trying to hunt beds. It's not great if you're trying to hunt doe bedding or a bedding area like or a travel corridor in between beds for a buck in the rut. Yeah. In the rut. Yeah. You're, you're, you're defeating your purpose. So you need to make a strategy for how you're going to approach that in October. And then how are you going to approach that in the rut? It probably needs to be different. Like for us to go into that Ridge, if we would go past the hot corner, we would bump those does that come down. Mm -hmm. We we knew that. So we kind of, you got to kind of circle around and stay away from that. And then if you want to get in there, then you cut back up this year, instead of going in, you kind of got to go way around and get in front of the does before they get to the bedding area and hope that they're running late in the morning and not back to bed. I mean, you're, you're going to be playing a fine line of getting set up while they're still kind of traveling and uh, it's thick enough during that time period, they're going to be browsing later in the day, you know, and I think you can get in there. But finding a way to access that stand, not only for your wind direction, but how you're not going to bump the does that you're going to potentially want to kill this buck on. Or the scrape, if he's coming in, just like when we killed Kevin Gates last year. We had to access that a certain way. If we would have come in through the doe bedding and bumped out all the does, he would they would have ran right through the buck bedding and mm-hmm. pushed that buck out. We never. So you got to kind of figure out a way to access it where it might be a little harder, it might be a little bit inconvenient, but it's it's the way that you have to do it to not bump does. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people worry about bumping does, but during the rut, that's that you have to have them in there because that's why that buck's going to come in that area and and stay. You know, a buck might run through an area and miss it, but just like we seen that buck when we were hunting high on the ridge on the urban piece, the does were in there. And he kind of zigzagged that whole thing once he got a whiff of them in there. 
hit it, circled, came back by us, yep. came back by us a different direction. And uh, that deer might run in there. There's no does. He's going right out the other end. If there's does, he's going to kind of work that whole area trying to see if there's a hop. And I feel like a lot of people uh, mess up on that. Um, right now, there's like there's two different ways that I think you can you can kill a buck. You can kill him on his bed in October, kill him on a scrape in the late October, you know, second week of October, or you can kill him on a main travel trail in the rut. You know, that's we're talking about the October November time. So right now. I feel like their main travel trails are so easily seen, especially if there's snow on the ground. It's insane. You, the deer right now, they they want to burn the least amount of calories or least effort they can. So they are taking the easiest route to get to point A to point B. Um, most of the time from bedding food. So if you can find that main travel trail, you might not be able to kill that buck on that trail, but you know that that's how the does are more than likely going to work that area. So in your mind, you say, okay, this is the does main travel area. If I walk this area, I'm going to get ground scented and these does aren't going to come into this bed and potentially pull something in here in the morning, or they're not going to be in here when I try to sneak in here in the afternoon, because there's going to be ground scent on them. You know, they're going to come out, get the ground set, boom, they're gone. So, Finding those main travel corridors now, especially if there's snow on the ground, which there's probably snow on the ground for most of the Midwest and some of the South right now, um, there's a dead set food to bed trap. Like, it's just insane. You go out there and it's just a straight line of how the deer work the area. And then there might be some cutoff shit, but there you can see the main trail where the does are heavily using every day in and out. And it's like a highway. And you're noticed that it's the easiest lot, way to get from point A to point B. They're not doing anything crazy. They're not trying to avoid hunters. So you can find them right now better than ever. If you go in there after the green shit comes up, you're not going to be able to find that trail like you are now. Mm-hmm. The grass is going to be coming back over there. You know, it's you might be able to see where they cross a creek in a wet spot, but you're not going to be able to see them where they're going through a grass hay field or a crp field right now you can see that as plain as day you know you can see a hundred yards ahead of what the deer are doing and looking at the ground and understanding it so uh i think that's right now the best thing that you can do is go out there and pick out the main trails and then off those main trails those those side kick out trails you know that you might it might be the buck trail. It might be a doe going over here to feed on a bush. You don't know, but if there's a heavy side kickout trail and you follow that, a lot of times that side kickout trail will meet back with that main trail at some point. And you can put that in your back of your mind and be like, okay, you know, this might be a secondary trail. Is this secondary trail going to be in my wind cone? You know, my scent cone? Um, is am I going to be able to hunt this secondary trail or is this going to be like a completely different setup on this trail? Um, and kind of the scenario I'm thinking about is there's a heavy trail that goes into where PT is, we think he's at. And then there's a secondary trail that goes up by the muskrat tree. That's pretty heavy and it kind of angles and goes back up in there. But I know from running cams there, there's a group of four or five does that bed up there on that secondary trail. So I'm thinking, Okay, we got the main trail that come together. We got the secondary trail. I'm thinking we're doing with we're dealing with two doe family groups. So you got a doe family group that's the muskrat tree doe family group, and then we got a doe family group that's in the PT area. So now in my mind, off of just seeing these two trails, I understand that there's two different doe family groups that are bedding in different areas, and then you follow that secondary trail, and then you find their bed. You're like, okay, here's a doe bedding area. And then, and then I have this other one over here that's completely different. Now, if you're hunting a buck that is kind of a homebody or that's hunting a certain area, understanding where your doe bedding is is so key because if he's not with one doe family group, he's more than likely with the other one. There, it, you know, he's going to be with a doe somewhere in the rut. And knowing where all those are is key. But if you go out there in the spring 
it's impossible, damn near impossible to figure out where those does are bedding without bumping them. There's just no way. Do you have any way in the spring that you could think that you could find them? No, I mean, because if, if you wait until, you know, even turkey season, like I think it's already too late. Um, it, the green's coming in fairly strong then, and y- you done you done missed it. You got about four to five weeks, I feel like, from like Valentine's Day um, through that a good part of March to really get out there, depending on how much snow you have and whatnot. The ground's still going to be frozen and soft, and you'll be able to see them good trails and shit, see where they're jumping the fences, the creeks. Um, but, yeah, anything really past um, that third week of March, I feel like you're starting to miss it. Yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, with the snow again, I, 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 you can see a deer bed in the snow from 200 yards away. Like, okay. There's a bunch of different beds everywhere. Okay, no family groups in here. And you can tell by the size of beds even, you know, okay, a couple fawn beds, a couple mature does. And you understand that, like, when I first started hunting, I didn't know there was different, like, subgroup doe bedding. I just thought the does all bedded where the does bed, you know what I mean? Like a thick shit over there, a does bed there. <laughs> yeah. But not all the does on your property are bedded together. There's, Little there's different family groups that are bedding. And especially when you're on a bigger piece and a lot of those, a lot of those family group, like you, you go on a hunt and, oh, there's 10, 10 does on the field. But you ever notice they come in a group of three and then maybe a group of four and then there's a group of two and then maybe there's a lone doe. They didn't just get up out of the same bedding area at a different time. They're coming from little different pockets to that field. So finding that offset doe bedding is crucial um, because it, it, in that time period, if you're going to kill him late October or November and he's on your property, he's going to be with one of those doe groups and having the option of, well, I can hunt this doe group on a South, but I can't the other doe group. It's better to hunt the doe group on the South and roll the dice. than be like, well, I think he's over there with those. So I'm just not going to hunt because it's, it's South. Like you have a backup of I'm still in the game and I'm on a South at a potential area that he can be. Yeah. Um, And kind of like, you know, this is, um, you know, maybe number one priority here, kind of ish. Uh, just because I feel like, um, there's, you know, if you do got four does, it's going to take a while for all four of them does to come into heat and him to, him to knock them all out and then, you know, roll on. So it might be able to hold him there for a while, but, uh, I feel like this is kind of how I've scouted, um, pretty much most of my life up until the last, you know, two years is really finding them, them doe bedding groups, just because you can kind of put that feather in your hat for later and like, okay, I think I've got a good strategy here for the rut. Them does aren't going to be going anywhere too far off of where they're at right now. Might, you know, even bump up towards the field edge if they're off because there's more cover up there in October. Um, but yeah, I feel like now you can really get a good plan for the rut and um, be able to capitalize on that during the first, you know, ten days of November. Yeah, that's the best thing about it. Those doe bedding areas most of the time don't change. Yeah, like they are where they are. Those does are comfortable there. There's a reason that they're there. They're not getting messed with, and they're they're chilling there. So they're like, okay, this is my zone. And most of the time, it doesn't tra- uh, trade. So. Um, you want to talk about going in there and uh, other tree stands and other cameras, how we go about that and what we do with those? Yeah, um, so it's just kind of like the same thing we do when we find a tree that we want to hunt. Uh, we put it down on the on our map. We use hunt stand, and we literally mark it and say, there was a stand here, um, there was a camera here, and... Uh, sometimes there's not even not even a stand there but we can see that somebody's had a climber in the tree um might be an old screw in step or something there but we literally just mark it and then we're like okay what is this guy hunting you know where would a buck be coming from here and kind of get into that hunter's mindset about what he's hunting and then we kind of put that in our back pocket like well maybe this is a spot we're overlooking or something and uh, 
just kind of go about that. And like you had all them pins on your phone and now, you know, they're yeah. all gone. Tragic. But it was just, um, not, it's kind of like a way to not get stuck in a rut or overlook something is if you're looking where other people are kind of hunting and, it also might be a way to um, stay away from an area. If if, if you kind of go that route, they'd be like, hey, I know somebody's been in there putting pressure on that, er- on that area, so you know I'm going to kind of give it a 300-yard buffer or something like that. Yeah, another thing that I like to key in on is you're looking at that, uh, you know, you're looking at the cameras, okay? The first thing I do, is it a mobile cam or not a mobile cam? Okay, if it's a mobile cam, more than likely this guy's, pretty serious about hunting this area if he has a mobile cam there but he's not going to be in there pulling that card i feel like nowadays so many people are running mobile cams if you find like a reg cam i don't feel like there's a lot of guys that are going in deep and checking those weekly anymore i feel like no. there's a lot of guys that are hanging those for months or all year and going in there and pulling them um, a lot of people are running those mobile cams so you look at that camera like okay this is a mobile cam for one he feels good enough about this area to waste one of his most valuable assets for scouting during season. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy's got a mobile cam here. There's multiple people that got a mobile cam. There's obviously something here that's piqued their interest enough to put this asset here. Um, another thing about tree stands and cameras, I'm trying to think about how that guy is accessing. Like we found that one stand that one time where like, how in the world is this <laughs> yeah. guy accessing <laughs> right. this thing? Like, I, I, God, I don't still don't know. know. Still don't know, but, but that's I'm one about thing to. We need to do after I after I show you that bottom. We need to loop around, yeah, and, and go in there and be like, okay, this guy's getting in here somehow. We need to figure out a way to do it. There's a way. There's there's a way he's getting in there. Um, but that's something you put in your head, like. There potentially could be someone in here, and you can kind of tell if a stand's been used a lot. Um, by you know how the tree looks how the straps look yeah let's say the straps you know yeah straps are a dead giveaway um the bow hook if he leaves the bow hook and it's all tangled up as shit and frayed you're like okay it's probably been here for a while because we run in that you're not supposed to leave stands on public but hell of people do there's stands all over the place um and i find more and more every year uh i found some ladder single man ladder stands back in there on that trail on pt I'm really like, yeah i remember we found that one there in the was ditch that, one. that one time oh, yeah that, that and... guy like stashed and covered up with branches <laughs> and shit and they yeah. coming back Is that off that a field yeah 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 Yeah, there's some in there further deeper now so, perfect um but uh that's if you're hunting public we hunt public and private that's one thing that you can do right now is uh you can really see those people access trails is what I like to call them. Like a lot of people come to hunt this bottom and they turn left in the timber here. Cause there will be like a dead set trail of the shit is knocked back. And there's almost like a groove in the ground of all these people that are going in here or there's a parking lot here. A lot of people are accessing the timber right here. And if it's your first time scouting there, you got to put that in your mind. Like, okay, there's going to be a lot of people right here. So this is probably not a good spot to set up for an evening hunt or something because there's going to be people coming out because the people in the timber is going to be darker than on the field edge. So that people are going to be coming out on you. And if you're right there, like on the state forest, if we set up in the corner on the West, like we walk guarantee someone would come out of that West from that CRP field and it would be dark on them. Yeah. And they come out of that hedge timber and we'd be sitting there on the edge of that field and guaranteed that there'd be someone there at prime time. That's just not a spot that you want to hunt because it's you're going to run into that problem. Yeah, and one thing I want to say so, about these people trails is also another thing that you can pick up on is if, like, there's a pretty good-sized uh, down limb or down branch or something, and it's either, one, sawed off, or two, like, snapped up, snapped, like, you know, chest high or something— like deer's not gonna be out there snapping through a damn branch like that, yeah. you know, or a good solid limb. So that's a good indicator that somebody's accessing into there that way instead of, you know, maybe they couldn't move it or maybe it's still hanging down or whatever the case is. But um, big branches like that that are snapped can. Another really good place to find it is like a creek crossing. Not only for deer, but if there's a creek crossing, you 
there's this you can just see okay there's a shitload of people that are crossing the creek right here because it's like wallowed out tracks all over the place and uh i think about that on the state forest where you gotta like go down that hill and then cross that creek and come up yeah. it's like a dirt trail three foot wide like national park bullshit out there you know like <laughs> well the thing about it out is they're walking their dog you know i, I would mean, say like, it's getting so worn out now it's damn near straight up and down yeah straight loose down that <laughs> yeah you're like there's a shitload of traffic that's right here so this is probably an area that i want to avoid um another thing if you're you're looking at public is look at the parking lots most public you have to park in a certain area and uh some of the deer that we've been hunting have been extremely close to parking lots um and i feel like those deer kind of do that on purpose because they're like okay there's someone here like i'm gonna lay low so we end up parking in a different area than the spot that we were hunting um because of that and i feel like if there's no trucks there i feel like that buck's gonna be more apt to move and i think that might have been i mean there's already cars there but we parked right at that parking lot and then went in that tip and hunted mm -hmm. i'm like i think he's used to it but if there's you know no if there's no trucks there i don't think you should park there because it's just a dead giveaway that oh, there's someone out here like he can hear that truck pulling there he's that close oh yeah and especially late season as many beds are in there if a guy went out there late season and hunted and hunted that little patch he would they would know dead for sure that there is a, a car in there mm -hmm. and uh i mean we something that i would say Go we've ahead. done this parking thing for five years not not uh, you know and what 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 does it cost you it costs you 15 minutes and a, a walk on a paved road or a gravel road out in the yeah. wide open like just a little bit of effort and you're not gonna give the deer a dead giveaway that oh, i just pulled in yeah. i'm slamming the tailgate slamming the doors cussing because yeah. i forgot and, my release and it also throws off the people that are hunting that property <laughs> yeah you know? i wonder what people like, thought is if we you we park your truck on the east and then we drive to the west like people are like oh yeah they're over here and now we're actually on the west you know yeah but they think, oh, well, there's someone back there, but there's no one back there. We just parked the truck there, met there, and then looped around and hunted the other side. Or a lot of times we'll meet at my house and then only take one truck. So it looks like there's, you know, oh, there's only one guy here. Um, but actually there's, you know, two. But something to think about. Parking lots are key. And even though people don't talk about them, everybody, everybody's thinking about that. Everybody's looking at that, looking about how many trucks are there, thinking about, you know, should I even waste my time here? But don't let that deter you. We've seen heavy traffic areas hold giant deer. So just a, they just have a way to eliminate the people, get around them somehow. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but they're very good <laughs> at that. Um, another thing you can really see right now going on with foot traffic, um, you get in there and there's not a lot of people there, so you can you're not giving away anything that you're doing. Like if you go out there during mushroom season or you go out there when fishing's good and you're carrying a backpack in there with binos and shit and there's someone bass fishing, they're going to be like, oh, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm scouting for deer. And then maybe that guy didn't even know you could deer hunt there. Or maybe that guy's like, oh, man, maybe I should deer hunt here too. Right now, there's literally nobody out there. It's a ghost town. You know, it, there might be some ice fishers that are hunting you know, fish right next to the parking lot, but you're not going to meet anybody out in the woods. And we've scouted close to season and met people out there and had to talk to them about, you got cameras and shit. You're like <laughs> trying to not give away that there's a giant in here. You know what I mean? Like, what do you say? You're like, Oh yeah, we're out here scouting and putting all this time in, but there's nothing here. Like don't even, don't waste your time. Just you know? sweaty so, as balls. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're just putting the hell of face. work in, and they're like, if they're back here, there's a giant back here. Like, people just know. You yeah, know they, yeah. If there's reasoning, guys. But right now, there's no one out. It's a, it's a ghost town, you know. So you can see the foot traffic, you know, the areas that they went. But now you don't have to deal with the foot traffic. You don't have to meet up with a guy or meet a guy in a parking lot and chat with him. Because most of the time, nobody's thinking about deer hunting right now. 
in like a few weeks, it might change when sheds start dropping. But right now, you kind of got a window where people are not thinking about shit. So want to mention that. Um, the biggest thing that you can do right now since there's snow on the ground is everybody's wondering where these deer are feeding. Like everybody has an idea where they're feeding, but they're not 100% sure. And it is late season, so it could change. There could be more deer in an area than another area. But those main travel routes from bed to food are never more visible than right now any time of the year when there's snow on. You will see, okay, man, there is a heavy spot of traffic in the field right here. Why are they hitting the field right here? Maybe it's a low spot. Maybe it's, well, they're all coming from the timber over here, so they're just popping out 100 yards and feeding here. Um, You have a really good idea of where all the deer are coming from, and those does are going to be feeding in that ag when it's season. So you can literally get on that ag, follow a trail out of that ag and walk to a doe bedding area. It's just, it's like an absolute, someone drew a line to say, okay, I'm going to show you where the does are feeding. And I'm going to show you where the does are bed. Instead of you going in there, you have no clue what shit's going on. There might be deer fed feeding in this field. You're not hundred percent sure. Cause there isn't tracks all over the place like there is now. You're kind of weeding your way through. Okay, this looks like doe bedding. If there's literally a roadmap out there right now, this is exactly what the deer are doing. Like there's, it's drawn in the sand in the snow. Of, they're coming here. They're crossing here. And not only can you use that for scouting, but you can also put some of your theories. Like we thought they were crossing the water in one spot. Founds out. Okay, yeah, there's a pretty heavy trail where they're crossing the water here. So during season, we think they're wading through that water to avoid people we thought about that but we never were able to go in there and get the trail because the does aren't wading through that water i think the bucks are eliminating them and there's very few deer that are wading through the water but the one that we want to kill we believe is Mm -hmm. and there's a, a lighter trail that goes right across that lake now and big tracks on it you know and so i'm like more than likely He's used to crossing the water here, so he's just crossing the ice now, you know. Or, And you can see that with the snow on the ground. When you go there before and the deer might use it three times a week, there's going to be nothing there. But the snow has been on the ground for a month. It's like you're going to see every time you went through there. And you can literally follow that big set of tracks all the way back to where that deer is bedding. So that's the last thing I want to talk about is – bedding and sign that's what everybody else talks about that's the main thing that people will talk about scouting that's the last thing that we want to talk about because we feel like it's pounded to death but um i'll take bedding you take sign that good so if you can find the bedding right now i think it's good but you cannot that bedding is more than likely going to be different than i feel like right now than it is in season those deer aren't pressured right now they're probably closer to ag, I would say, than they normally are. Uh, don't be surprised if these deer are hell far from ag. We see deer travel a mile and a half one direction on the regular to get to ag fields. Yeah. It's, we, if you would have told me that three years ago, I'd be like, there's, no, there's no way, dude. Four years ago, I'd be like, you're fucking crazy. These deer are 500 yards in here they're coming out to the ag max. But we've seen them repeatedly do this. Like, there's a hot food source. They'll travel a mile and a half like it's nothing. They get they give no shits. So finding those beds might be different, but you have an idea of it. But you can find those beds with the rubs by them and shit. You can get in there and you can you can figure that deer out a little bit more and figure out how you want to approach that bed. Um, I feel like that's a great tactic, but it's talked about extensively by multiple different people. So it's a tactic that we use. Um, but like I said, enough people has talked about it that I think they've covered it, but go ahead and go into sign. What, what do you got to say about, you know, this finding sign this time of year? Like, I mean, Buck's definitely going to let you know that he was there. Um, you're definitely going to be able to see all the rubs. Um, you'd be able to see most of the licking branches that are broke, maybe not be able to see the scrape, um, due to snow, but, um, you, you can get into that maybe here. Um, towards the end of uh, the month or when you know the snow's gone and you know sign for us has never been 
um, like what everybody kind of talks it up to be, I guess, to a point. Would that be fair to say, Cody? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's yeah. like, find the sign, find the sign. And, and trust me, we find hell a sign. Like, I mean, we can find the sign, but to be able to hunt it and be successful, um, it's just not like it's different for the especially the public piece that we hunt. Like, it's just different out there. And that's one of the key points I want to hit on is um, don't let the lack of sign deter you from hunting an area. Like if, if it's got everything that that buck needs, um, we can we can even put in some scrapes, and, and we've had some good success with that, um, putting in some mock scrapes early. I mean, early as July. And they'll keep hitting it right up to the rut, and um, that's really helped us narrow down some zones on some deer and uh, locate some deer earlier than we have been in the past Um, because there's not a lot of sign out there. There's not a lot of natural scrapes on this property or even a couple other uh, private pieces that we hunt. So we've utilized them scrapes, and um, so just don't let the lack of no sign deter you. But then also in the same hand on the lease that Cody had, um, there was so many scrapes and so many rubs like literally you talk about the mother of all scrape lines like when we come around the corner and we seen the nine scrapes nine fresh scrapes in a row um like we were both like holy shit like something just rolled through here and not saying that you know the cameras catch everything but we were tracking mr freeze we had um like three cameras basically on top of each other checking the entry and exits right out of this doe bedding and um you know out of out of the three or four months that we were um trying to track freeze down we only had one shooter buck daylight on in that area and then all this sign shows up you know randomly to a point and you would think it's the hottest the hottest fucking thing out there and you need to be there tonight And we hunted that multiple times, like five or six times. Yeah. And never we seen right a shooter buck. No, no shooter. Yeah, never seen a shooter buck. And we could see a pretty so, good distance there, but hella nighttime picks. Shitload of nighttime picks. So that just goes to show you that, like you said, not having a shitload of sign is fine. Don't wash it off, but don't walk into an area and be like, this is the spot because there's a shitload of rubs. It could be completely nocturnal. The deer might be there, but if you hunt there, you might hurt your odds of killing the deer that actually help your odds because you're leaving scent there. You're probably getting down by the time he's coming in and walking that walking out. And we had great access to that area. Mm. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Access. What do you think about like actors. what do you think about something like that? If like, you know, just a a horned up three year old rolled out of, you know, a spot that he's been in and now he's trying to go out and get his own and then he's just like, Oh, yeah. this is a totally new area. I'm just gonna leave hell a sign here and let somebody know that I'm that I'm here now. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's sign's such a confusing thing. Like we've had really good luck with scrapes. We crush him on that. We've had really good luck with buck beds, like sign rubs on buck beds. We go in there and we hunt them. Mm-hmm. Um we've had that's how we killed pickles. That's how we killed my buck. We knew they were in there bedding. Um, but you can't, you have to see the sign and then verify. You can't just say, I'm banking this shit on this sign. You know, believe but <laughs> verify the, the sign. And like you said, if there's no sign, don't, you still have to verify that there's not a deer in there that you want to hunt. You can't just be like, no, if we we took someone out and walked them through the public piece, they'd be like, "Man, there's just no buck sign out here. Like, there's just nothing." Mm-hmm. And there's not. There's very, very, very little. Like, if we find, I've never found a giant rub out there. Like, big, not one nasty, that I want to take a picture of. You know, like big timber rub. You know, and yeah. we find like a lot of little cedar tree shit and stuff like that, but nothing crazy. But there, I mean, there's deer like this out there. You know, <laughs> there's deer like that out there, and, yeah. and there's no big sign. Like you would walk that, and be like, it looks good, but there's no there's no giant buck sign. There's not here, but it it just makes me wonder. Like, you know, obviously we didn't have a camera in the hot corner until now, and we made it over a mock scrape that we put in. Yeah, and like 
what would them bucks be doing if that scrape wasn't there? Would they just be hanging out on the other side of that, on that, you know, washout and just going down the, the thing, just you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think they, that's just a travel corridor right yeah, they, there. Yeah. They would still be there and still hitting it, yeah. but you know, it's they just, just they're not going to be. don't lay a lot of sign out there. And we find, we find ground scrapes every now and then, but you go into a big timber, like ag country kind of area, there's shit everywhere. There's ground scrapes everywhere. There's rubs everywhere. And you go in there and there's just not dick. There's nothing. No. And it just blows me away. But like I said, that a lot of people talk about sign rubs and all that. Believe but verify is all I'm going to say about that. Don't because we burned ourselves so many times on, man, this shit's fresh. And it was fresh last night. Mm-hmm. And it's nocturnal sign. And we waste our hunts on there. And we actually hurt and push the deer off that sign when we should have been 300 yards deeper in the good shit. I feel like you see a lot of people see the sign and they stop and they go, Oh man, this is it. This is the spot when actually the spots another 200 yards or something, you know? And it's really hard to leave that hot shit. It's really hard to be like, I'm not going to hunt this. It's it. But you know, we're not saying not to hunt it. Hunt it and verify if the deer are there or not. Run a cam on it. Verify the deer are there or not. You know, and don't run the damn cam right on the scrape either. Run it off the scrape. You, know? <laughs> you, you mean like more than four feet? <laughs> yeah, run, run it more than four feet. We've made that mistake, and every time I see someone do it, and I'm like, bro, I want to move the camera for him. I'm like, yeah. let me move this. Yeah. I'm not going to steal it. I'm just going to move it because you're going to get about eight times the pictures you are right now. <laughs> if you just move this for five yards over here. <laughs> you know what, what about what about uh, hunting out in the wide open like that? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that, uh, it's prime too. Yeah, that's prime. But uh, so that's that's how we th- we believe that you can kill your buck you know, your 22, two, but your 2022 buck right now. And, uh, the people that are listening to this, especially this deep are the hardcore hunters and, or it's the guy that wants to get to that level. And I wanted to bring this up last and just kind of ask you the people that we know are hardcore. This is one of the things that they nonstop preach every damn year. And you see it on the Instagram story. You see it on their post they're out there they're shed hunting they're scouting they're looking at rubs they're thinking about they're thinking about all this shit that we mentioned but they're not talking about it all but that's how you kill them you got to be able to find these deer and you can't find them in october you're you're out of time at that point you can mm-hmm. find them but it's it's easier to find them like pickles and to stage it up all year and have a game plan and then go in there and smash the first day you can the first day of both season right. you know like if we wouldn't have scouted that area, never would have never would have been there. No, it's a it's a shithole spot. It's an absolute hole in the wall. And after you killed that deer, wasn't a deer there for forever. If we pulled the cam like third week of November, you know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing there. Yeah, but uh, and we're not saying that you can't get on one here. You know, in August or September, it's just so much harder. Yeah, it's 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 a lot harder because. You're trying to scout when the shit's thick. You're limited on time. You can't see. It's hot. You can't. Yeah. And the bad thing about scouting the deer in August and September is if you find this giant in August or September and you're scouting this area, for us, there's a 70% chance that that deer is going to leave that area. Mm -hmm. So you just wasted all that time scouting. When you know, if you have an area in mind, that you know a buck's using and you scout it now, you already know he's going to be there when you can hunt. He's going to be there in October, November. Because you have the, you know, you might have been hunting this, like in our case, we've been hunting this deer for a couple years. we got trail cam pictures of him. We know he's in there. So that's when you dive in full send. Or if you're trying to learn a new piece, if you wait till August and September, oh, man, I got a giant. I got to figure it out. You can go in there and figure it out. But there's a pretty damn, i say 50-50 chance that they're asleep. And you're never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you might get lucky and kill him randomly in the rut, but if you got a velvet giant, fifty, you got a fifty-fifty flip of the quarter whether that deer is going to be there during huntable times, 
and, or not. And then a lot of them we notice are there first two weeks of October and then they're gone. Like that's, you got a window and after that, the shit is, I was, uh, gone. I was going through the, the card off the corner down there that we had in video. We had that giant typical in velvet up there. Did we? Yeah. And then, so I was wondering when he come back through and left, I was wondering if that was like his three, four day period of coming back to summer range, trying to pop some does in there and then back to wherever, you know, back to his rut range. Yeah. Cause be. I mean, that's about what it was like. Dude showed yeah. up two days later, rolling out. Yeah. He's going to be there for a couple days and then gone. Yeah. I'll, yeah. not tonight, but I'll, I'll send that to you. Yeah. hundred percent. Right, yeah. Right yeah, we're, we're, that's cool. We're good here. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, appreciate you guys listening to us this time of year. You guys are the diehards. Um, we love you for it. Um, we're not holding back this year. We're on a couple absolute giants, and uh, it's going to be another magnum roll of dice kind of year. I, <laughs> I was going to say, took a year but, off of the giants and back, right, right yeah. back on. <laughs> yeah, we took a year of killing, and then we're going right back at it. But, uh, really appreciate you guys listening this long and uh always do the right thing try to leave a legacy and white tail legacy is out